Chelsea Fairless and Happy New Year, guys. <laughs> I can't even deal with this from you. It's not actually the new year now. We're recording this early. I'm sorry, guys. I feel like we should acknowledge that in case some major news item happens. Like what if like one of the cast members in this episode expires or something? <laughs> what a way to say. Is this your overarching phrase for like cancellation and death is like expired? <laughs> Either from pop culture relevance or this mortal coil. Yeah. But I'm just saying, it's still 2022. Yeah, sorry, guys. As sorry of to recording, ruin. but, you know, I'm in Australia, so we had to do this ahead of time. Which, again, you're not in Australia now, but you will I be will there. be in Australia, yes. How's your trip going? <laughs> it's great. Anyway, we are discussing the episode The Cold War because it's wintry. There's only a handful of winter-based Sex and the City episodes, and we already did Splat, so. Yeah, I think this is the second coldest episode apart from Splat. And this is the episode that comes before Splat. Exactly. So shall we get into it? Who who wrote this one? I didn't look that up, but I have a sneaking suspicion that you might have. It is a writer that is not kind of the the main four. It's a woman named Ari Wellington or hmm. Wa- Wallington. Okay. Do we know anything about her? Like what else did she write? She only wrote one episode of Sex and the City. She wrote on Gravity Falls, some show called Spirit Writing Free, of which she created. Good for her. <laughs> this seems to be an animated show. Oh, on Netflix, where girls are riding horses. The Wild West Adventures of a Free-Spirited Girl and Her Wild Stallion Horse Companion. Mm, I'm freaked out by horse girl stuff. Unless it's the Stella McCartney famous like Chloe collection, I just it doesn't speak to me. I don't know. It's very Charlotte York. Yeah. So this episode opens at Pastis. Which this is before I moved to New York. So this is my first interface with the legend of the restaurant Pestis, but you had been living in New York. Was it a big deal in 2004 or did the show make it big or it was big and the show only made the restaurant bigger? I couldn't tell you because when I first moved to New York, I wasn't clued into what the hip restaurants were. You know what I mean? Like I was living off of like Ray's pizza and stuff. Like I simply did not have the money to go to Pestis. So I think the first time I went was maybe, I was probably like, a junior in college or something like that, a senior. So we would have known each other by then, but we did not yeah. go to Pasties. I, I thought it was very glamorous at the time, for sure. If we had taken 13th Street down from the Parsons campus and continued to the meatpacking, we would have gone there. But we always stopped at a restaurant called Spain, which is sadly now closed. Yeah, that was a good one. But Pasties is still fab. I went the last time I was in New York. And I'm not really a big meatpacking district person in general, Like, I don't know. There's something about it. The vibe is always a little weird. Although they do have a very good Marnie store in close proximity to Pestis. And the Margiela store is also there. Yeah, I feel like part of the meatpacking come up is kind of based around sex in the city. Like, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Samantha moving here, Pestis. They go and have drinks for Samantha's 50th in the first film in the meatpacking district. 
Yeah, the Meatpacking District, when I first moved to New York, I believe the Alexander McQueen store was there, the DVF store. Like, I think those were, like, the main ones that made the neighborhood, apart from, like, the very, very sceny restaurants. And then I think, like, the Stella McCartney store came in. And, and oh, and there was, um, was there, there was a Jeffrey over there, right? Yeah. Right, that was it. But I don't think Jeffrey exists anymore. No, but it's a neighborhood that very much got gentrified on the idea of what Sex in the City was saying New York was. Oh, of course. If you want to live the Sex in the City life, go to the Meatpacking District and never leave. And I guess Samantha never does. We'll we'll get into, there's some geography questions I have, surprisingly, oh Chelsea. <laughs> anyway, Petrovsky and Carrie are sitting at a table. I have always loved this Carrie look. Like, this is a silhouette that I try to evoke, but it just looks like I'm wearing baggy clothing. But, like, the jeans and the sweater, and I like Hansi Petrovsky. He's like, what do you mean? He's, like, putting his hands in her sweater, if I remember Right, because he's, like, European and doesn't have boundaries and stuff. <laughs> Anyway, his uh, art friends, his hanger-ons come to his table because you can't get a table at Pestis. And of course, Alexander Petrovsky has the star table. Right. But his friends seem kind of... Actually, I guess his friends are fine. It's just that one bitch with the little glasses. Yeah, which I feel like Carrie has come across a lot of these characters throughout Sex and the City. Like, this was... This character was very Enid-coded, like, when she first met Enid. Yeah, it's like, you know they're a bitch on Sex and the City if they're just, like, an icy blonde with, like, a tiny little pair of glasses, like a turtleneck or something. Again, I wonder about Carrie Bradshaw's popularity of, like, would this woman know about her? I mean, clearly she doesn't, because at first she's like, do you write novels? Do you write for the Times? Yeah, I think a lot of people knew about Candace. I mean, even though I guess having a column about sex is in theory kind of lowbrow, like she got the most incredible style section New York Times profile um, in the early days of her column, which I'll put in the show notes, is a perfect article to go back and read. Yeah, I mean, the point of this scene is to show that Carrie is outclassed, but also Beyond their relationship, Petrovsky and her don't really know a ton about each other. Although evidently Petrovsky reads her her column weekly. Yeah. And so he's trying to explain the column to his highbrow friends that like just read art for him, I guess. And he just grabs a paper, a copy of the New York Star off of someone else's table and reads the iconic line. It is my belief that the last time that someone enjoyed the 69 position was in 1969, which I think is pretty funny. It's good, but would you say the 69 position or 69-ing? Don't look at me. That's what Carrie wrote. I literally just copied and pasted it from (laughs) satctranscripts.com, which is, I'm sure, a website that you are also familiar with. This is how we get the I couldn't help but wonders. Yes. From every single episode, so we don't have to literally transcribe HBO Max. Oh, wait, I do. I do pause it. Really? I should be going Girl, to the city trip. Just Google <laughs> the title of the episode and transcript yeah. and then search. You know how to search, right? I do know how to search. Thank you. Control F. <laughs> okay. But the other point of this scene is that one of these guys reveals that Petrovsky has a big show coming up in Paris. And Carrie has no idea about this. Which also, like... Do you want to hear about his light sculptures? What is it again? Large scale light sculptures with 
integrated video imaging. There we go. Large-scale light installations, something in that vein. So then Anthony and Charlotte are walking on the corner of gay (laughs) gay and gay. Thoughts on Elizabeth Taylor versus Richard Burton? I have a feeling I know your preference (laughs) for which dog, but... Look, I love a cavalier. I think it's a dog that makes sense for Charlotte. And I do think Elizabeth Taylor is cute. But yeah, of course, I'm team Richard Burton all the way. Do you feel like maybe an end just like that, they should have shown a little box of uh, Elizabeth Taylor's ashes? Well, they kind of did. I don't know if this is going to be prominently featured in the second season of And Just Like That, but I think And Just Like That costumes or maybe the official And Just Like That account showed a oil painting of Elizabeth Taylor (laughs) that was in the set of Charlotte's apartment, which we did not see in season one. So I think that that's such a perfect detail. I think that's incredible. Yeah, love. So she's basically telling Anthony, like, this dog used to be a show dog, but I don't know, it wasn't given enough love or attention or something. And she revealed that she's thinking about making the dog compete again. I don't know, doing the dog show circuit. Yeah, it's not it's not the Westminster show, but it's some sort of dog show. And then she reveals she herself was in the pageant world, at least briefly. This is actually Candace Bushnell adjacent because she has two standard poodles that she does like enlist in enlist (laughs) that makes it sound like the poodles are like about to be deployed or something it's conscription if you if you have a dog that cute you are conscripted to show it around in a professional setting i'm just saying the the dogs compete professionally or at least they did it's a lifestyle it's like being an equestrian person yeah their outfits your weekends are taken up by this. I, I could never. Yeah. You decorate with like all of your like beautiful ribbons and stuff. Yeah. But I do relate to not being able to have a solid walk because I do have a very cute dog. I have a dog that people stop me and will often do double takes and then they'll be like, oh, I thought you were holding a stuffed animal. Right. Which is a real testament to Los Angeles that people would think that a grown woman would be holding a stuffed animal. Well, that reminds me of when I... I was carrying our pigeon clutch the other night and like scared the shit out of the iconic hostess at Sunset Tower because she thought it was like a real bird. Is that what happened with Gabby? Yes. Wow. Gabby, who is, I forget what episode of Sex in the City, they're like the most powerful woman in New York is like the hostess at this restaurant. She's the most powerful woman in L.A., but For sure. o- only until March 2023, because she's moving over to the San Vicente bungalows. Oh, Jesus. Really? Yeah. Wow. Anyway, Anthony makes a dirty dancing reference and says, nobody puts baby in a corner. And Charlotte's like, what? Yeah. And I'm like, girl, like, that would be your favorite movie. What do you mean, what? Maybe she was more of a pretty and pink girl. I don't know. Absolutely not. Okay. Are you a dirty dancing person? Um... I've seen Dirty Dancing. I like it, but it's not the 80s film that I go back and watch multiple times. Yeah, see, I do. I really like that movie. Although when I first saw it, I definitely did not understand that. Oh, yeah. That other dancer was getting like a back alley abortion or whatever. And that was sort of the catalyst for what's her face having to learn how to dance. Well, there's so many things in 80s and 90s films that you watch two different ways. One when you're a teenager and then another time when you're an adult where those films of that era were so much darker in a way that films now just aren't. Yeah, it's true. So now we're in Brooklyn with Miranda and Steve. 
Handyman Steve. Yeah, Miranda comes home. Like, the house looks like shit. Miranda has sore feet because she walked in heels from the subway to their house, which is like, that's another myth about New York that Sex in the City really perpetuated was that, like, New York women just wear heels everywhere all day. Also, Miranda's wearing, like, a conservative boot to work underneath her pants or skirt. Yeah. Also, isn't Miranda at a level to have a car service? She is a partner in this law firm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because that's the thing. To wear heels in New York all the time, that's like you have to be rich. Like you have to be able to afford to take cabs everywhere or it's like you literally live and work in the West Village and in which case you're also rich. Right. Or so, you're like Anna Wintour and you just have a car service. Yeah, exactly. And you are allowed to have... In LA, we call them valet parking shoes. Like yeah, well, in, of, in LA, you actually can wear heels everywhere. Right, because you're only going from your house to the car, to the valet, to the restaurant. You could also wear certain kinds of heels in LA that you couldn't really wear in New York, like satin heels and stuff. Because the reality of the situation is if Carrie... <laughs> like wore her wedding shoes more than once like they would be busted as fuck by the time it got to lily's recital that toe would be brown and frayed and let's be honest carrie would be rubber soling the bottom of those shoes yeah um what did you think of handyman steve because i was kind of turned on um you know if i was turned on i was immediately turned off because he like gave miranda like her tabloids that came in the mail and he was just like i can't believe that you read this crap and it's like i'm sorry i would ask for a divorce (laughs) i do think and maybe because we're miranda coded people with trash taste but i do feel like that's inherent in like if you're an uber serious type A person, you also like your outlet is trash TV or trash tabloids. Yeah, like, at least ours is. Yeah, I mean, not Cynthia, but definitely Miranda is fluent in all the housewife franchises. Yeah, that's one. Yeah, Cynthia definitely doesn't care about any of that shit. No, I do like the line where Miranda's like, I'm reading this. You no longer exist. Like, my grandmother had a subscription to People magazine, but I would... That was always the joy when I was in high school to go to the grocery store and get an Us Weekly. Like, that's a whole other level to have a subscription to, right? This is essentially a mashup of Star and Us Weekly. More Star magazine than anything else. You know what? I will say I have subscribed to Us Weekly in the past. And I kind of regret that I ever let that lapse, actually. That's fine, but, like, having a yearly subscription to star magazine or the national Enquirer. no it's true that's dark that's next level i only buy those when they have like really dark covers you know like liza minnelli overdoses or some shit you know (laughs) jesus anyway smith and samantha are now at the star table because smith is a star baby because he really like popped in some gus van sant movie that came out instantly Yeah. Uh, Needles, California, I believe is what it was called, (laughs) which is like one of the most legit fake movies. I think that and in True Romance, the fake Vietnam film called Coming Home in a Body Bag, (laughs) (laughs) which are ridiculous enough to be satirical of the genre, but legit enough to be like, yeah, that movie would exist. Totally. Well, Needles, California feels vaguely like three billboards adjacent (laughs) or something. For sure. And then it was delightful to see Marcus. I forgot that Marcus hung on until the the end of season six. Yeah. So now Samantha and Smith are at the the star table. Marcus and Stanford rock up, sit down. 
Well, no, the best them. is they don't think it's Samantha because we only see Smith and then a woman from the back with a dark, uh, very Jefferson Starship wig, as Marcus says. Yeah, I think the strongest comedic beats in this episode, which isn't the funniest episode, let's be real, no. are all around Samantha's wig changes, which are like insane. Like the bitches Cindy Sherman in this episode. Yeah, that verges on problematic, which we'll get into. But... I wouldn't say verges. I would <laughs> say is but I do love the line I turned a little hair loss into a lot of hair gain so a fan comes up and is like oh my god this guy this guy seems like he may be coming down from heroin or something (laughs) he just saw Needles California for the seventh time yeah it looks like the opioid epidemic might have gotten him um and he he also has like a little bit of a what was that vj jesse jesse camp yeah yeah yeah, totally he comes up and asks smith for a picture because his girlfriend is a big fan which do you think that's true or he was always going to sell this photo by the way he takes an honest to god photo which i hate when people talk about the 90s or the 2000s and they're like this is before the the internet so you couldn't google it but this is, you do forget this is like a few years before the iPhone comes out. You forget that like, oh yeah, people would just take honest to God photographs. Yeah. So he takes a photo of the four of them. Because Smith insists. Right. And now we're back at Petrovsky's apartment. Where do we think he lives? Because Probably we- meatpacking adjacent or maybe up slightly north or Tribeca, maybe? Because she he says lives I'm... on the street with like the, the Come to Garcon's store and like all of the galleries and stuff. He lives in walking distance of the Empire Diner. That's where like all those rich artists live in the West Village. Right. Potentially that really expensive building that's on West Street and like Charles that like Hugh Jackman lived in. What they what the really rich artists do is they literally just buy multiple brownstones and then just like like I heard that Richard Prince bought the brownstones on both side of him just so he wouldn't have neighbors. I mean, that is also the rich person power move in L.A. That's what Leonardo DiCaprio did is he just bought both homes. And then Johnny Depp, one of the reasons he went broke is he bought you know where the standard uh, West Hollywood is, was? That's on Sweetser, and then there's a smaller street on Sweetser, and he proceeded to buy every house on that block. Craziness. Anyway, they're in bed together. Carrie's like, hey, tell me about your show. And he's like, look, I prefer to keep my personal life and professional life separate. <laughs> and Carrie's like, no, no, no. I only want to know about your show so I don't have this face in public. And it's her, like, agape at hearing some information for the first time. And he's just kind of like, nah, girl. I mean, he is correct. All this art talk is so boring. (laughs) Uh, But it seems a little extreme. I'm like, are you doing like an immersive like video installation of me like sleeping or something? Like what's going on? That would have been cooler if that was what his show was. And then she left him because of that. Well, actually, that did happen on the L word. Do you remember? I don't know if you got this far into that show when um, Bet, no, not Jenny, Bet was dating Marley Matlin, who was also a video artist. Right. I remember this happening. I don't remember the storyline. And then she made, then Bet dumped her and she made like a piece about their relationship that was like upsetting to to Miss <laughs> Bet Porter. Sex and the City never got too political, but like the shows of this era, this L word, Six Feet Under, like what's the line that um oh yeah that has where it's like the Bush administration is the most repressive administration in history. Yeah, there was a lot of Bush on those shows. You don't say, but I'm booked. Stop. 
Um, okay, he's he's convincing her to stay in bed. She's like, I have to go. My friends are, are at brunch. I'm being a bad friend, but I'm Carrie Bradshaw. I'm always a bad friend. And he's like, no, stay here. Do nothing. Be spontaneous. Keep me warm. Right. So Keep, keep my little my little Todd body warm. I'm Mikhail Baryshnikov. I have no body fat. So everyone but Carrie is at the diner because they had plans. Which is in Soho, but Carrie says I'm all the way downtown. Yeah, it's like Petrovsky does not live in the financial district. I'm sorry. Battery Park City? I think not. But she's not coming. And so she calls them and they kind of pass the phone around and give uh, her various life updates, right? Miranda's mostly pissed. Although yeah, Miranda's Carrie's, pissed. Carrie's like, who are you kidding? You're looking for any excuse to get back into Manhattan. And this is the first time that we see the Russian as a threat to the friendship group, which Big never really was. No, he was a threat to Carrie and her self-esteem and happiness, but never really the friend group. He actually like vibed with them. Yeah. I'm thinking about the chicken dance. Right. They also, I think this is the first time we get the the mention. Oh, we forgot to say in the Miranda scene, that's when she opens up Tattletale, or that's what she reveals in the brunch scene to Samantha is that uh, Smith is gay. Right, because they've cropped her out of the photo from Pastis, and it's just like Marcus and, and Stanford. Uni- uh, an yeah. unidentified older gay gentleman, which makes me think, did this happen to Michael Patrick King or someone in his <laughs> social group? Because it's so pointed yeah, it's and really, specific. It's really, really funny. Uh, but Samantha is correct. Once the gay rumors start, it really means you're a star. Yeah. I mean, according to even like, you know, I think back to like the Ted Casablanca's days to now Dumois, it's like every male actor is gay, evidently. So I guess Carrie finally goes back to her apartment. You get the sense that she's been at the Russians for a few days. She says she was at Petrovsky for four days. Her column is overdue. So not only is he fucking with her relationships, but he's fucking with her work also. Or she's letting him. Yeah, she's She's letting letting him. him. She is dressed in an outfit that makes it seem like it's a laundry day outfit because it's like a plaid skirt with a tool bottom in that way that like when upcycling clothes first started where it's like, this is a vintage skirt and I just added some tool on the bottom and now it's upcycled. Right. So she goes home. I relate to this so much. There's nothing worse than when you've been out of your apartment for a while but the heat has just been on yeah it's like a tropical vortex and your radiator is steaming it's uh just that that radiator gave me ptsd from my bushwick apartment and i also love how all new yorkers have to like the space is in such short supply that you have to turn your radiator into a table yes as well you got to put a butcher block on that and and put a phone or your books or something yeah i forgot how far out from the series finale they set up the big of it all like my memory is just like domino effect and then he shows up Mm -hmm. in the second to last episode but I didn't realize it starts now with him leaving messages on her phone three times yeah Uh, increasingly desperate ones and uh, love to see it yeah and then she deletes them and she you know brags to Miranda who must have loved this I deleted big Yes, which I love Miranda's line, which I can relate to, which is, did you call him to tell him you deleted him? (laughs) She's like, no. So Carrie, in order to make it up to Miranda, has gone over to her brownstone. And she's talking about how 
her and the Russian don't really have anything in common except for each other. Right. Of which Miranda goes, well, do you want passion on top of passion? And it's like, well, I mean, having good sexual chemistry and common interests so you can hold a conversation beyond all the people you used to know in your Studio 54 days does seem kind of important. Right. So the big concern is that her and Petrovsky don't have a lot in common, but Dare I say, did Big and Carrie have a lot in common other than their love of New York? Yeah. No, it's true. It's not like she wanted to hear about his job. She just thinks Petrovsky's job is a bit more interesting, I suppose, which in all fairness, it is. Yeah. And to be fair, I don't think you want the bloated ego art guy who is talking about his work all the time. Yeah, it's true. Actually, it's kind of Alexander Petrovsky that he can dial it back a bit. And uh, and then we have another scene with them in his kitchen, which I love the way that it's staged. He has a single bowl of pomegranates, which is right. like the chicest thing I've ever seen. And I'm so going to do this. Like imagine going over to someone's house. Right. And they just have like, I love it. Wow, that's your that's your toxic Kardashian trait. You know, they have like all the fruit and like Chloe has all the cookies. Yeah, exactly. You just have all the pomegranates. So Petrovsky works all night. Carrie is reading the newspaper. Uh, this is where the voice, she's like, how's it going? And he's like, Ugh. and that's when she has the voiceover. I guess we won't be having passion on top of passion for breakfast. Carrie kind of pushes again that she wants to know more about him. This is when she introduces meeting her friends. She's like, look, I met your friends. And he's like, they aren't my friends. They're my colleagues, which fair. Yeah. He's like, all of my friends are in Europe. Well, I guess my question is like, what is the appropriate amount of time to introduce your significant other to your friends? Because we all have that friend. I'm not neither of us at this table, but like brings a new person like that they're dating to every function you have. Like you don't want to be that person. Well, then there's the opposite of that person, which is the friend that basically hides their significant other from you. Which we have a friend in college. She doesn't (laughs) listen to the podcast, so we could just say. It's fine, yeah. Yeah, One of my closest friends is getting married in May, and I have met this person twice for five minutes. I've never met this person, so... Anyway, yeah, I do think it's, I mean, it's always suspect when someone sort of like compartmentalizes their relationships like that, I think. But anyway, shall we get into the I couldn't help but wonder? Yes, because he, (laughs) he again is trying to, in a way, Stockholm syndrome her. And he's like, don't go back to your place. Stay here. I have a computer very good at writing columns, which is one of those, what would he even use this for? It's three separate Retouching. All right. Um, I take it back. I was wrong. He has some crazy computer that she's typing on. And do you want to do the VO? Since I I paused every other word to write it down. (laughs) Yeah, I just put in the work, babes. (laughs) They say that opposites attract, but they never say for how long. Should the relationship savvy person stoke the fires of passion with the kindling of work and friends? Or should we simply satisfy? Oh, or we- should we simply see? I actually have the real Thank transcript. You. Or should we simply be satisfied with the romance that sizzles? I couldn't help but wonder without sharing your worlds, can even the hottest relationship stop cold? First of all, this is a tongue twister. <laughs> Yeah, it takes a village to recite that. I couldn't help but wonder. It makes sense that this is this was written by someone outside the main team, just for the fact that, like, if we were asked to write a Sex and the City episode, I think this is how uh, overly written 
I would at least, right? <laughs> that I couldn't help but wonder. Should the relationship-savvy person stoke the fires of passion with the kindling of work and friends? Okay. I think you don't have to share your work, but I think you have to date someone that gets along with your friends. Those should not be separate worlds. And if they are, there's something wrong with your partner or your friends. Correct. And I... So... <laughs> But I so think- we know what um, <laughs> something tells me that our our mutual friend has a problem with us. Yeah, not- I, think it's, I think it might be us. I think a big part of relationships is that unidentifiable thing where it's like you can talk silly about serious things and serious about silly things, and it has nothing to do with work. You don't even necessarily have to have common interest but just that conversation keeps flowing yeah exactly Petrovsky and Carrie at least portrayed on the show always seem to have like stilted conversations yeah and it feels like while I think Brishnikov is good on this show all of the Petrovsky episodes have a very similar tone that he brings I don't know and I feel like this one it's like they are just less with the exception of splat like there is something just slightly less fun about these episodes, I think, because he is just like a very serious person. And he makes Carrie more serious by association. Which only when you see her in contrast to a person like that, you realize she's not really an uber serious person. No. Uh, and then the the whole bit at the end is that the computer glitches and like... The word cold, cold is, is just giant on the screen. Little on the nose, but whatever. Look, it's season six. I'm fine with it. And then we have Samantha getting a pedicure and then two young PR girls are talking shit, which at first Samantha loves because that's she's like, that's where you get all the good gossip. But then it turns out they're talking shit about her. And yeah, they're like, I thought Samantha Jones had the hottest sex life in New York City, but it turns out she's just a fag hag. So rude. Also, I feel like we need to mention the fact that Samantha is like having a full like Nicki Minaj pink wig moment in this scene. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, It's funny. I think this plot line is the funniest part of this episode. And also the the Carrie voiceover that she went from Demi to Liza in a moment. (laughs) So now we're at the dog show. It's not like Westminster, but it seems like a fairly prestigious dog show. Some sort of qualifying show. And Samantha really has a fucked wig in this scene. (laughs) This one is like very like woman on HGTV, sort of like highlights and waves and bangs. and. It's not her best moment, but she's clearly going through it. She goes, there goes years and years of fucking everything that walks. Oh, that's right. There's an earlier part in the episode. Also, she's like, I can't have cancer and be a fag hag. Also, there's nothing wrong with being a fag hag. Well, this is what Miranda introduced. When she introduces the tabloid story, Samantha's like, eh, because Miranda's like, doesn't that bother you? And she's like, once you have the big C, nothing bothers you anymore, unless you're being accused of being a beard. And then it's uh, very problematic. This is when Carrie invites the girls to drink with the Russian and Stanford is next to her and he literally, she literally <laughs> uninvites Stanford from meeting the Russian in front of everyone. He's like, oh good, I'm also free on Saturday. And she's like, ooh, no, this is like, a, this is first batch of friends, your second batch. I mean, yeah, she's just say, the girls. I mean, he is one of the girls. I know, it's incredibly rude. Justice for Stanny. And also justice for Anthony, who's been forced into, like, helping Charlotte groom Elizabeth Taylor backstage. Which I think he's doing to pick up dates. 
Right. He like assumed that there would be more gay men there, but there don't seem to be. Which is fair. I would assume the same thing. But of course, Elizabeth Taylor gets her period. <laughs> There's some joke about a little tampon, which is a good joke. It is a good joke that like Carrie laughs at because she comes to visit them backstage. Yeah. And then when Charlotte is doing the, the run with the dog, we get a, a classic Miranda wahooing. Mm-hmm. I love when she wahoos. Yeah. We love when Miranda gets overly excited about something stupid yeah. because it's sort of at odds with the seriousness of her personality. Like when she's like obsessed with Jules and Mimi or like whatever it may be. But also I think that's an important part of being a good friend is like just being fully in, even if your friends have like dub hobbies, but it's like, I'm going to support you and I'm going like full tilt on this. Totally. I think this has pretty good puns and kind of callbacks and stuff. Charlotte was the best in show, period. Yeah, because Elizabeth Taylor wins not because she's the best dog, but because the judge just has the hots for Charlotte. Which is an oft Charlotte storyline. I'm thinking about the guy that's obsessed with her feet that keeps giving her shoes. Well, Charlotte is the character that straight men want on this show. You know, they all have the hots for Charlotte. Because Samantha is just like, has too big of a personality. And Miranda is, you know, Miranda. And Carrie is just like, a little too manic pixie dream girl for your average, you know, cishet male. Yeah. Whereas Charlotte is just kind of like conventionally perfect. Well, there's a big thing in the, in the manosphere. So like pickup artistry dumb has moved into this thing called the manosphere and they're very focused on traditional values. So they would definitely want Charlotte. Right. But if she were blonde and had bigger tits. Did someone DM us that the gay PR guy who wants this number was one of the guys that Carrie goes on the blind date with? I don't know. Did I just make that you up? T- that's a very specific thing to make up. I don't know. My wires are so crossed. Yeah. Anyway, Charlotte's dog wins what exactly? I'm not sure. But I, I assume a ribbon is involved. And then Samantha gets pushed over the edge when like the PR guy for the event comes up to her and asks for Smith Jared's number. I'm a laughing stock, ladies. And so the only recourse, of course, is doing revenge porn on yourself <laughs> and leaking your own sex tape that you make. Okay, the outfit that she wears (laughs) for her sex tape is so... It's like, okay, girl, you might want to make this look a little less staged because she's wearing like a rhinestone bra like a fucking Las Vegas showgirl or like Dita Von Teese at her New Year's show or something. Right. And then she's wearing like... These like extremely long tasseled earrings that extend like a few inches below her wig. Like it's a very, it's a very bizarre look. Well, also what she forces Smith Jared to say. Oh, like Samantha, you're like the best fuck or whatever. Samantha Jones, you're one hot fuck. I love fucking you, Samantha Jones. (laughs) I love that Smith is like, I don't care if people think I'm gay. I know, love him for that. Yeah, this is a really funny part of the episode, actually, because then we go straight into Elizabeth Taylor getting gangbanged at the dog park, which is so funny, Um, don't you think? Yes, it's one of the funniest things. I just love that they had Evan Handler for that one scene. Like, he just went in for half a day in that episode. Yeah, he had, like, two lines. 
Um, thoughts on, I noticed a, an English bulldog got in on the action. <laughs> I don't want to see what that dog yeah. would look like. Has your dog ever been gang banged at the dog park? I don't take Frosty to the, to the dog park often, but when he was at daycare, they had to pull him out early once. He had, I went to a place that had like grooming and a daycare and I dropped him off early. What, healthy spot? Yeah. Yeah. Love healthy spot. Healthy spot, guys. <laughs> Uh, and he had to be pulled out early because he essentially got gang humped. Yeah, that happened to my dog once too. The little French bulldogs are like weirdly horny for him. Cute. Do we know what an English bulldog and a French bulldog mated looks like? There has to be. An English bulldog mated with anything is like, oh, it's a true freak of nature. <laughs> like it's like a mistake. You know, like if you've ever seen like a Dalmatian and a bulldog, it's like it's science fiction. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't advise that. The girls are at Asia to Cuba where the Russian is supposed to meet them. I love that he is in her phone as the Russian. Yeah, that is cute. Uh, he cannot come, but he sends champagne, which is a class act. Yeah, but you're really skipping over the fact that oh. Samantha's... <laughs> Sorry. Look, yeah. is very culturally insensitive. Um, she's wearing like an Afro wig and is styled to look like early Pam Greer. She has a fucking Afro pick. That's a bit that she does. In the yeah, she has a, yeah, that's the worst thing. She's wearing a wig, so she doesn't need of afro pick but she just has one to use as a prop apparently which is really dark and this is one of the scenes in sex in the city that i think is kind of the most shocking to watch now in retrospect yeah yeah for sure look casual homophobia we can accept but this (laughs) this shit so they get drunk and then carrie's like let me go visit him because he said I should be more spontaneous, even though I don't know much about his work, but clearly this is important to him and he has been working through the night. Well, she's psychotic just for not giving him a heads up text. Like, I want a heads up whenever a stranger is coming into my house. And you know what? This often does not happen for me because... I was about to say, there are people, Ted is constantly, there are constantly assistants and what have you at your house. Yeah, assistants, interns, like I always ask my wife to give me a heads up so I don't wake up to like a mysterious noise downstairs and think I'm going to be murdered. But that is not a luxury that I am often afforded. So someday I am just going to die because I will just assume that there's just random assistance in my house, but it will actually be, you know, Oh, Charles Manson or something. Oh, wow. He came back from the dead. (laughs) Even her friends are like, are you sure you want to disturb him? Because so much time has gone on. I forget that Charlotte is was connected with the art world and she's like he's working on his new show like maybe you don't want to do this and she's like no this is one of the rare uh visibly tipsy times carrie gets she's like no he told me to be more spontaneous yeah and charlotte's like girl i've worked with these psychopaths like they have no chill and then samantha makes her pause for a second before she knocks on the door because sisters have to get ready and that's when she takes the afro pick out yeah yikes so he opens the door and he's cordial but firm and he's like hi guys not tonight bye which does ruin the vibe yeah it's such an awkward situation like i feel awkward watching it and every single time i watch it i hope it's gonna play out differently than it does but 
obviously it never changes. And that's why we need this moment of casual racism, just to break the tension, because that's what Samantha goes, Foxy is ready to hang up her wig. I don't know if we need it, but (laughs) it's there. It's there. It definitely uh, breaks the tension, but... I would have loved if the camera had stayed with the three girls, Samantha, Charlotte, and Miranda, in the elevator. Because what was that conversation <laughs> like going down? Yeah, in like one of those drafty meatpacking district freight elevators. And then Miranda finally gets home to Steve. This is another thing that justifies why I was so upset with him just like that. Because it's like, don't tell me that Miranda and Steve never loved each other. Again, I'm fine with Miranda and Steve falling out of love with each other. But to act like she never wanted to be with Steve in the first place is insane. Yeah, that's gaslighting. (laughs) Word of the year, gaslight. Is that the word of the year this year? I don't know. Or last year. Oh, well. Is it the word of this year, goblin mode? Oh, God. Well, I mean, to be fair, this is, this is, it's technically the first week of 2023, so. Um, Word of 2022, woman named the word of 2022 by dictionary.com. Well, it's not the most used word. Named word of the year. Isn't it like, I thought it was about highlighting new words that were entered into the dictionary for the first time. Okay, goblin mode is Oxford's 2022 word of the year. The winner, goblin mode, the term is defined as a type of behavior which is unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, slovenly, or greedy, typically in a way that rejects social norms or expectations. Yeah, it's when you eat shredded cheese out of a bag with your bare hands, like standing in front of the refrigerator. Is that you? Have you never done that? Of course I have. Okay, thank you, <laughs> Jesus. I was about to be like <laughs> so it, embarrassed. It was just like such a specific. <laughs> but that's like to me really goblin mode. Yeah, that's goblin mode. And Carrie's goblin mode is eating saltines with like grape jelly on it. Carrie doesn't really have goblin mode. Miranda has goblin mode. Well, Carrie's goblin mode is shopping. Her shopping addiction. Yeah. Although that's not, I think there has to be an aspect of it that's like a bit unappetizing. Whereas like Miranda eating cake out of the garbage, that's goblin mode. Absolutely. Surely there's examples that don't just pertain to food, but. So back to Miranda and Steve. She says, I love you for loving my friends, which really got me. Because that is the sweetest thing you can do. Yeah, it is. It really is. We forgot to say that when Carrie visits Miranda in Brooklyn, he brings over cannolis, which Carrie acts like it's an only Brooklyn thing. And it's like, Vineros exist in Manhattan. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's true. I noticed that he's reading Home Depot's Plumbing 123 in bed. Yeah, that makes sense because he's renovating the house. But there was also like a scene in Sex in the City where he was just reading some book about aquariums. Yeah. Like home aquariums. Fish, yeah. Anyway, he has like weird tastes in literature. So they obviously fuck. This is when Miranda enjoyed fucking Steve and doesn't ask when it's going to end. And then it cuts to a post-coital moment where she's on the computer because he finally set up the DSL line. Remember DSL? Yes, I know. And she inadvertently ends up watching Samantha's sex tape. Yeah, this website looks fucked. It looks like the kind of website that just gives your computer like 10,000 viruses. But the early 2000s web design, they were still trying to make things look like physical objects instead of its own thing. Yeah. Uh, So evidently seeing your friend (laughs) fuck on tape is what cooled Miranda's love of gossip forever. Or I'll say at least for now. And so 
now I guess Carrie is disturbed by the way that Petrovsky talked to her friends, which I don't even think was that no bad. Like, yes, he should have rallied and... You no, know, he that was a look, boundary she violated. It's true, but he should have rallied and just talked to them for like 10 minutes. Right. But he's an artist. He's obviously on the verge of some sort of menti B, especially since his <laughs> show is coming up. I'm sorry, did you just abbreviate mental breakdown as menti B? Menti B. <laughs> okay. He was so clearly about to have a menti B, which clearly carried like was not privy to until she went back and talked to him about his art and all of that shit. So instead of passions on passions, it's passions on menti bees. I think he doesn't want to talk about his art with her because it's so intertwined with his poor mental health, like in the <laughs> final days, like leading up to this show. So he just wants to like shield her right. from his often psychotic creative process. Well, where do you even begin with this? I mean, he he does. He finally opens up to her and that he looked at these light sculptures and was like, oh shit, this might be stupid. Which, fair. Look, guys, I'm the one that edits this podcast. Sometimes I'm like, Jesus Christ, is this interesting? <laughs> I think he's a good artist. And clearly, I mean, he's having a, a new show at the blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the episode ends with this Carrie voiceover that doesn't make a ton of sense. She says, it's a cold, hard fact. Sometimes there's not enough time in the night for both your worlds. And it's like, well, what were you bringing to the table? I guess the idea that like, sometimes you can't introduce your friends for the first time because your boyfriend's having a menti B. Yeah, exactly. Also, we, in this instance, we see a rare glimpse of Petrovsky's art, which is like sort of a blurred image of a man running like on a monitor that feels very like Doug Aitken, again, Robert Longo, clearly one of his close personal friends. Yeah, with like a bit of James Terrell thrown in there. Yeah. Definitely in if the Sex and the City world existed now, Kendall Jenner and then all the Kardashians would have Alexander Petrovsky <laughs> work in their homes. Oh, it's so funny. We got a call to the hotline recently because remember how we were talking about like why was Kim Kardashian at Art Basel? And they were like, oh, she was definitely just buying shit for her house, which yeah, of course she has like an insane contemporary art collection, but apparently she only buys things that are white or silver. That makes sense. Anyway, I loved that. Well, we clearly know what her children's rebellion is going to be and just like neon everything. Yeah, it's going to be like the American apparel store up in there. All right, back to this episode. How many Manolos? 6.5. Yeah, it's an okay. It's okay. This is the episode that comes before Splat, which is a high. Yeah, that's 10 Manolos right there. I think the best parts of this episode, the Smith is gay plot line, Elizabeth Taylor getting gang banged. Carrie's outfits are pretty good. It's, and, it's casual Carrie. Yeah. And the situation with Carrie and the girls coming over after their dinner like did feel quite real. Yes. In a way that I think was good like and successful. We get into this when we talked about the splat episode, but you and I are are big believers in like, if you want to get, if you want to be my lover, you got to get with my friends. Yes. (laughs) To invoke uh, the Spice Girls maxim. Totally. But at the same time, it's like, I can empathize. Like I'm imagining like what I would be like during like one of my sort of high points of work related stress throughout my life. And it's like, I don't want to meet random people. 
I know they're not random, but I can see his side of this too. I absolutely see this this side. I've made this point about Petrovsky, I think, when we did the last Hotline episode, which is you're dating an icon. Like, he has an outsized personality. He's older. He's wealthier. You're living on his schedule. Or you're not. And then you shouldn't be with that person. Yeah. So it's not exactly like, can you have passions on passions? It's like, can you both have these outsized careers? Because at least with Big, because Big is in such a different world, she can be the little star of New York. Yeah, she just had more autonomy in the relationship with Big. He wasn't really trying to impose his lifestyle on her, except for when he, I guess, got her the Judith Lieber bag or whatever. But I more mean that if Carrie is out at an event with Big, it's like Carrie Bradshaw and date. But if she was ever photographed with Petrovsky, it would be like Alexander Petrovsky and date. Yeah, of course. And I don't think we got into that, that Carrie likes to be the star. She writes for the New York star. She wants to be the New York star. (laughs) And she is the New York star. All right. On that note. Happy New Year, guys. All right, next week we'll be back in person. You'll be back from Australia and we'll, I assume, be doing a pop culture episode. Who knows? Hopefully something interesting happens. Yeah, fingers crossed. Oh, actually, I think January 10th is the Golden Globe. So, okay, great. Probably talking about that. All right, guys, we love you. We'll be back. Happy New Year. Bye. That was me kissing you guys. <laughs>